Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? Poetry night rings through. Metal music. Um, and I have a quick little bio that I wrote up. Uh, this weekend we got together and I did a rather extensive interview with my friend Sue and my friend Rosé. Um, meaning, meaning wine. <laughs> uh, read my notes here. Um... Andrew the Beast Shore had his first kiss at age 13. She was wearing black lipstick and a green dress. Uh, he, has broken mo he has broken more bones than I have. Uh, and has m several scars to prove it. <laughs> um, let's see. If he could choose a Mortal Kombat character to be... It would be Scorpion. Scorpion, hey. If he had to fight an author, it would be Roald Dahl. Because it would make a good story. Um, and the worst part about this bio, and this is quoting him directly, the worst part about this bio is that it has been public. So please, welcome to the mic. Andrew, the Beast, sure. Hello. <laughs> um. Yeah. So the worst part about that was, well, I'm here. It's public. People are here. Yeah. Um. No. It, it's it's really great to be to be up here and uh, to read. You know, almost every week when I friggin' feel like it. Um. So. Anyway, yeah. Um. Here's one that I that I wrote a long time ago, and yeah. So. Here it is. It's called Traveler. I've dreamt as far as I can remember of becoming a traveler. A traveler of space toward distant planets, past nebula, past the quasars, even past the universe itself. Far beyond the cruel and unforgiving grasp of Father Time. Past the ever-knowing gaze of even the gods. I wish to become a traveler. To travel is to learn. To learn is to become wise. And to become wise is to become a being. A human. But I have never wished to be a human. I've never wished to be this prototype of altruism, of logic, and of consciousness. I wish now that being human, I was something else. Something more than what I experienced. Something of beauty and not of this beastly. For all we are, we have flaws. And I too am flawed in design and in spirit. And for this, I wish to become a traveler. To transcend the body and possess another. Walk a mile in the shoes of others, if even just for one day. But as human, 
I'm a person who tries to make time for everyone's story. I am an open eye to these open books. I am understanding. I want to feel the experience of others as no one experiences quite like another. I want to know you at your best and at your worst. I want to become like a beloved family member. And for this, I am a traveler. A traveler of experience and knowledge. A traveler in the strictly conditional form. A traveler of humankind. I have made my path as you have all of yours. And as we make our paths in the sand of time, I wish to become a traveler. Here's another one that's kind of along the same line, but it's just about the general idea of time. Time is but the measured components of memory, veiled by measurements in its own form, stretching out for longer than can be known. Time exists as memory. Purpose is but observation, seeking out the experience, the raw bits, and the data, the memory. A unit of standard that we all are to the grandest of schemes. Life exists only to observe, an observation of memory, and an experience in time. So, close enough. Um, so, <laughs> so, um, th this is one of my favorite songs. Um, it was written by a uh, composer named Francisco Torrega. And, um, yeah. And um, he was playing in London, and he absolutely hated it. Didn't like the fog. He didn't like like the language. He didn't like just he didn't like anything about it. So he was at a bar with a friend, and his friend said, "Well, take your emotions and make it into a song since you hate it so much." So he wrote the song called Lagrima. <laughs> actually knows who wrote this one. Um, some people say Andrea Segovia actually wrote it. Some people say Narciso Yepesh. Nobody actually freaking knows. Uh, it's called the Romanza.
because that shit makes me nervous as hell. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, this next one. Um, so I, I write a lot of dream poetry, and it goes in all sorts of directions, as dreams typically do, because they're fucking weird. Um, but I had this dream about this uh, symbol, and it just like appeared everywhere, just all over the place. And so I, I did some research on like what the different components of the sigil mean, and this is basically how I interpret it. These words are my given name. These numbers are my given name. These symbols are my given name. To each a unique and of power they should be. It is my wish to culminate these into a single form, one that encompasses an entire being. This is my initiation. And descending shall I know the true self that lies within. Descending, the mysteries are locked, sealed, protected. This vault forms a circle, wherein contained firstly is God. He is bound by the points as they all are. He consists of three, the spirit, the body, the mind. He is called and is the caller. Descending, that which God protects, a profession of my physical form, my fragile existence, this is my armor. Descending, material, a loving embrace of that which can be lost, the subtle and the seen, everything that is required. Descending, to the beastly and the animal, the primitive, a dwelling on base forms, survival. 
and descending still, the sigil gleams, the culmination of dreams, the mind's wandering, which I happen upon within the astral, a symbol of protection given to me by this dream. And pretty much just continuing on with the whole dream poetry thing. Um, Goddess. Asleep, fluctuating between the conscious and unconscious worlds. Sailing from this reality into another plane. The seeping acrid darkness entombs me in its cold, dead grip. Waiting, drifting. Warmth bursts into my senses. The air is dry. The sun beats down upon my naked body. Slowly I arise, slowly my vision returns to me, and slowly I realize that I am no longer where I once was. Have I awakened, I say to myself, half buried by the coarse, scraping sands, warm winds blow across the dunes, slowly moving the fragile mountains of sand set before me. I scrounge around for something, anything, any sort of item to ease my mind, a robe of white, a sash of crimson, and a looking glass of copper. I walk for miles and miles. Without end, I see the mountains gently shift particle by insignificant particle. My feet bare and half broken now. The droplets of blood are greedily soaked up by the thirsty sand, and I am on the edge of my sanity. Warm air piercing my dry lungs like a spear in battle. Vision distorted by cruel, rampant heat. And slowly, steadily, I crest a dune. And there as I look onward into the tan bleakness, I see far above me the sight of the desert's harem. Far off, yet 10,000 feet erect, these statues form a pyramid, a testament to the will of the mind. Four women stand, wrought by the dense rock, rend by giants, blessed, or dressed like goddess of Greek myth, on pedestals engraven with runes, hieroglyphs, circles, and symbols never before seen by the meager, ignorant eyes of humanity. Each holding above their heads with both hands leaf-shaped outlines, I walk for miles and miles. It feels like death follows me now, his cold, dead grip almost soothing. But I must be determined. Yet I fall, and I slide, and I am buried. The glimpse of their being has made me into kind of a different man, but the memory remains in my head, burned. I awaken to find myself in the ocean of blankets on the edge of my bed, staring at the white ceiling. Will I again set foot in the desert, drifting, awaiting? <clears throat> So you want to go sad, depressing, or continue on with the whole dream poetry shtick? Both? Both? Yeah. I, I could... Mix it up. Okay, I'll, I'll mix it up. Let's go sad and depressing. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> it, yeah, it's... Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this one... Um, the events that I described happened um, May 5th of 2013. Um... Early May, I awoke feeling ill, like some sort of omen had crawled inside and has taken root. Sounder, a big black lab, lay at my feet, stirred by my obvious blight, crawled on top of me to lick my face. I sat up to hug him. He knew as well as I that something was not right that day. It had been three days. He told me that he was proud of me and then two hours later sank into the depths of a coma. A Christian man found contentment in God, joking all the way down. I remember as a kid him showing me all sorts of magic tricks, from a disappearing coin to a key that seemed to roll and levitate upon its own will. I remember going over to his place for a few weeks uh, to work at his company, Cedarwoods Canine School, um, to gain some job experience. 
I also remember getting the call a week later that he had stage four liver cancer. I went to help him out in his business. During the three months, we talked of many things, of life, religion, his passion for dog training, but none of those conversations were as profound to me as his last. And all he said was that he was proud of me. Two hours later, he sank into the depths of a coma. I receded back into my own mind, which I often do, but this time the sanctuary of my mind seemed like a much darker place, a place of lone wisdom, not from a trunk of a tree, but from the empty, stale air. It spoke to me of dark things, of a sort of prophecy. I hugged Sounder, and I kissed him on the head. I emerged from my bedroom, my aunt making breakfast, telling me his current condition. I went, for the, I went on a walk in the trail that my grandmother had decorated before she passed away. Most of my family was there now, tears streaming their face. I did not cry. I knew that he had known happiness, and even in his last days, knew happiness. And for that, I cannot be sad. Each breath for him was a struggle, each second a battle, and then a final exhalation. The lifeless shell that lay before me. It's stillness, the most unnerving and grotesque thing I have ever witnessed. It is a wonder how much even a sleeping body seems to squirm and wiggle as opposed to a corpse. But I knew that he didn't waste a day of his life. He knew true love and of true happiness. He had success and had wealth. He was a humble man. He was a good man, a trustworthy man, and he was my grandfather. I'll save the last two for last, I guess, the dream poems. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so a buddy of mine um, wrote a poem to his now girlfriend, and um, yeah, I don't know. He sent it to me. I had to laugh because this guy is like the most just... He's kind of a bastard. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it's called Futility with Benefits. <laughs> but then, you probably already knew why I keep looking down. Such inordinate concern for the placement of one another's feet. A myriad of whimsical turnabouts that sometimes kicks and sometimes sways. A dance I've practiced over and over. So many recitals glimpsed only in a deep, contented sleep. A fool's waltz, if any, to a song without age. Can anyone tell whether I can really make you sway to this meter, or if you're simply sending me twirling on my own, the steps no matter how complicated? I can't keep from taking, following your hand, perplexed at how lovely it is to let you lead. The sweet scent I can't discern, some notes from your hair, some from your neck, the perfume of an oral fixation, Candied lips and the passing grip of a cigarette as you mouth a goodbye. That's all you will get for now. Still, it's kind of a wonder because he's a complete bastard. <laughs> Temple. Uh, another dream poem. I sleep. Woven threads of the dream world seep into my mind, lucid clear like a freshly polished diamond, cool ocean air gently floating upon the beaches, where the disciples stand staring out into the distance, gazed fixed into the haze at the outline of the temple, chanting in unknown tongue, but only a murmur in comparison to what we beheld. 
Ominous like a tomb of some long-forgotten king, it stood rigid, still and silent. I too am hypnotized by the sight. But the mist, too thick, skies too gray, I cannot tune my sight upon this temple. I can see only the shape. A sea urchin skeleton, lonely and beautiful, but domed like a Taj Mahal. Seven hundred feet tall and five hundred wide, gloriously radiant through the thick mist. I sit now while the others stand, still chanting. I know I cannot get any closer to this, er, to this temple at this time. Its magic is just a little bit too strong. But I hope it is, but my hope is to one day explore. My hands together now, I send my thoughts towards one goal, home. And the scene melts as I awaken. Last one. Huh? Oh, yeah. This thing is confusing. <laughs> Go down. Okay. This is actually a new dream poem that I, that I wrote uh, a few nights ago. Solar's warmth filled the sky, though the... God damn it, Dora. Uh, though the heavens were still in acrid black... I can see the stars sparkle in the midnight sky, and set before me was a meadow, luscious green grass paving the way in all directions. I felt the summer breeze of summer winds passing by my skin. A bridge was ahead of me. Its aqua green and well-patinaed copper was a sort of marvelous sight. The bridge was made of beams crisscrossing their way along. I followed this road over the subtle hills and the ponds. For miles this road led. For miles I wondered where I was headed. I found myself eventually at the end. A ladder. A ladder that went further into the sky than anyone could possibly see. So I ascended. Past the moon, past the sun, even past the galaxy. And there I stopped. Wow, that something happened there. Um, and there I stopped. I could see the entire Milky Way galaxy. But as I looked onward, I felt the urge to jump. I awoke. That's it. I think that's a little better. Is that a little better? Back to work. Back, back, back. Back, 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 I love Poetry Night.